is the Sounding Board Podcast with Hachi and Damo. Thanks to Drinkwise. If you're choosing to have a drink, choose to Drinkwise. Good to have your company on the sounding board for Drinkwise. If you're choosing to have a drink, choose to drink wise. Unusually, both in the studio here at South Bank, Damien Barrett and Craig Cutchison with you. And also unusually, it's a latish on a Monday afternoon of this particular week. Uh, Craig Hutchison, good afternoon. Hello, Damo. Nice to see you in the flesh. You've got your uh, Henry Winkler from uh, Happy Days T-shirt on. You're not really rocking the guns to wear that T-shirt, but we'll wear the blind eye for the next. Whatever hour. definition I may have had over the summer, Hutchie, it's gone. <laughs> I'll, I'll give you a definition. The definition of scrawny oh, is you. Listen at the moment. I, I don't know where the body image is the thing you want to go down the path of, oh, but uh, so, seeing you I'm, want to start there, I'm more than happy to. No, I'm I'm absolutely entitled now to. I'm I'm past the point of no return, so I can simply uh, laugh along with you. Uh, I roam with Brian, by the way, the hashtag overwhelming support last week. Can I just give you the quick results? 87% on the survey said that they want to see roaming Brian back yep. and they think it's time for Seven to unleash him. It doesn't do any brand damage. You're big on this. You, you, you drove this survey. You drove this topic last week. Um, I love it too, but you wanted to put it out to the people and the people have spoken by the sound. I'm a big fan of the product. Always have been. Day yep. one. Yep. And... I liked it when he did it at Triple M back in the day. I liked it since day one of seven. And it was I, whispering Brian back then. And I don't subscribe to the view, although I respect it, that it's off brand. I think it's very much on brand. It's on brand for Brian, but it's not on brand for seven. And that's the problem, I would have thought, Hutchie, which well, is the reason they've can. Yeah, yeah, but I think they've seen that wrong. I think it's absolutely worth doing. Well, they're not going to, are they? It's a it's a conservative decision they've made, and that's the way they they're broadcast swimming, their football. Swimming between the flags, uh, but I think it's time to unleash Brian. What made him great? Anyway, I've said my view. You have. What a week it's been in media too. Where it do has. we start? Well, I, I want to start uh, where we started last week. Yeah, we 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 got into you last week over the Good Weekend article of the previous. Oh, uh, we've moved weekend. on. No, we have to a point, Hutchie, to a point. But there were a lot of unnamed people quoted in that article, as you well know. And, and it's very easy. We talk regularly about the anonymous sources. Um, Sam Landsberger and, seconds on this. And, John, and John Ralph are big on this. They, they, they love quoting people, recruiters and you know, tradespeople, without any names attached. Um, I'll throw their names in there because this <laughs> is in the age, uh, in the good weekend. And Hang on. All that, the, all the, not, not fair to name those guys. As a lot of people have done it along the way. Yeah, exactly. But they, yeah. they do it a lot. They do it um, every week. The, in the good weekend, though, Hutchie, the, the worst quotes, the most damning quotes to you were not attributed. And we actually had someone out himself during the week. The, the karaoke singer outed himself as a potential, a potential anonymous source. And I say potential because he's denied it. And a mate of mine in Brisbane was listening to something he does on, a, on his own platform. I don't know how he waited through the 31 minutes right, he did before he got there. But hang he, on. You don't need to be disrespectful if you're going to do this. Do a, do a problem. But he did. No, no, well... What we're also going to do is something very unusual for the sounding board. We Jane was alerted to this. Jane Neal, our, our magnificent producer on this program, and and we've got something to bring to the table. Unusually for the sounding board in, in terms of a pre-packaged piece, Hutchie, a dogsy special type arrangement. This, this this may have been what Mark Robinson. This is relating to Mark Robinson denying that he was one of the unnamed people in that article. I sent Hutchie a text. There was a lot of quotes in there from um, unknown people, and that really shitted me. There was a quote that said, he's a piece of S. It wasn't me. I sent a text, I said, oh, you probably think this was me. It wasn't me. So I said, it wasn't. It wasn't me. Just for your information. It wasn't me. Because they were angling on Footy Classified, 
that the unnamed Junos were sack Junos from SEN. Now, there's only two sack Junos from SEN, mate. And I'm thinking to myself, go on, say my name. It wasn't me. I want to say my name. It wasn't me. Say my name. It wasn't me. It wasn't. It wasn't me. It wasn't. Oh, is it? Now, I don't know whether that worked or not. You think you're inhuman now. Is that what you spent all week? I don't know whether that worked or not. You think you're keeping something from me and you'll, I'll like it. It was pathetic. Shaggy's song from way, way back. It, it's <laughs> it's clearly... No, but the reason I do want to do it this way, Hutchie, <laughs> because I know for a fact... <laughs> what was that? I don't know what that was. <laughs> Actually, can we... We might have to revisit that. <laughs> anyway, I think it worked, but I know for a fact you've had... I'm going to go with the number of a dozen, possibly more people like... That person there, the karaoke singer, making contact with you saying, quote, it wasn't me, over those anonymous quotes that made you look oh, really, really bad in that Good Weekend article. I know it's an attempt of humour, and it's a, but be respectful as you do it, please. A few things. I heard what Robbo and Michael Warner said. Right. And I, th- I did listen to their podcast last week, because it is a good podcast. No, it's not. And I, res- I appreciated Robbo's words. I guarantee it wasn't him. He's not that kind of guy. He's always been the guy that would not does not accept nameless quotes in stories, and he's never hid behind them. Whatever you think of him, Robert you ca- uh, Damo, you can't dispute that. So I respected that he that he said that. I didn't for a minute, even for a hot second, think it it would have been. Well, he, he him. clearly thought that you thought it was him. No, I think he th- I think he thought someone was suggesting that on Footy Classified. I didn't certainly interpret that either. And nor did I spend a second thinking about who the nameless quotes were because that's just looking in the rear vision mirror. If you're looking in the rear vision mirror, you're going to crash into what's in front of you. Oh, you would have spent a good 24 hours. I promise you. I I but, you, but you would have spent maybe more than 24 hours but, looking after it. But, it's, it's all right to say to our listeners, you didn't, Hutchie. I know you did. But I know you don't uh, share the view, but I have enormous respect for Robbo. He was fantastic to me when I was a cadet and when he was the PM sub the editor of the PM edition, and he was one of those people that gave me an opportunity early. And I've said to you before, I don't care, you don't believe me. I, I like him and I respect his role in helping when I was young. And not for a second is he that person. He'd be the guy at the bar who'd come over and say, hey, I've got a problem with you and here it is. That's him. He's not the guy that hides one a quote in a magazine, mate. So I, I didn't think it was him for a second. But I appreciate him putting it on the many, Again, not, not that you're going to name names here, but how many of that uh, type of text or phone call did you receive since the article was published? Quite a few, but my, I didn't. <laughs> quite a few? <laughs> I didn't think any of them, to be honest. <laughs> what so, so is, is it possible that now more people have actually said to you that it wasn't them than there actually would have been? The number of people who actually did provide the quotes. It did make me think about how many people actually thought that they might have been capable of saying that by the amount that weren't. It actually made me more paranoid about that. <laughs> 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 no, I, I was quite, you know, I don't even think about that stuff. I could care less. So it was it was uh, nice of people to, to reassure me that it wasn't them, but I didn't. I, I wouldn't have been anyone at the Herald Sun, little Alan Robbo, so I don't, I don't uh, think about it for a minute. And I'll just ask you one more, and, 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 and we'll move on, because we've got two weeks out of this, Archie. We've probably milked it now enough. Do you, deep down, and be honest here, please, do, do you think you have got a short list of who it I haven't spent been? a second thinking about it. Oh, don't give me that. And I couldn't, it, everyone's entitled to a view. It wouldn't worry me anyway. Yeah, they are entitled yeah. to a view, but put your name to it. If you've got nah, right. you to be that way, put, did you feel... Again, we discussed it last week. Conrad Who Marshall, cares? really, really good journalist. Did you feel a little bit let down that you provided your time for the article and, and obviously then we were subjected to all the questions that were put to you? Did you feel a little bit let down that, that it was still done that way, given you had given your time? No, and- I, thought it was, I, said, I thought it was fair. You couldn't 
you couldn't probably do a story on me and not deal with the critics in some way because there's plenty of them. It's not hard to find them. And that's everyone's entitled to a view. I don't mind it. I've made some blues along the way too. So, you know, that, that time of the merger in particular, we had to make um, pretty quick decisions in a very short period of time. And there were some things that happened that if you had three months, you might have had more time to work through them. So anyway, you can't, who cares about looking back? You move, you move forward, you move on. You can't take things personally. You and I are a little bit different on this. You're a much better human being than me. But I'll tell you one error I've got you covered. I don't hold grudges at all. I get on with things and I move on. I don't hold grudges on everything. I, I, I reserve I've, the right to no, hold grudges no. on certain topics. You, and I don't have a problem with that. It's hard to get on your wrong side and then you, you can never get off it. You're, you're a lifer. And that's, that last bit's not true either. You're a hater and a lifer. No, I'm not. I've, you, know, you know I've patched up I, some pretty significant issues over the journey, aren't you? One of which you caused. So. Oh, no, I wasn't, I wasn't the cause of it. I was just... I was you just, might have been the cause of it. I you were the reason that one of those situations no. got put into the stratosphere with it no. pro- being problematic. I, I, I dispute that. And I don't, I don't have anything against Robbo or against Michael Warner or against John Ralph. They're all great journalists and I have no problem with any of them. So I'm sorry to you went digging for gold you didn't find there. But I like the fact you attempted some humour. It just wasn't very funny. Well, we, there's another way I was going to do that. Where was, the, Jay- where was the, the, the verses in between were a better use of the lyrics, by the way. Actually, no. If you actually go back and look at the lyrics oh, of that song. You sit down and actually produce It's extremely inappropriate. <laughs> you, that song. you sat down and worked through the lyrics, did you? No, You, you I Googled didn't. the lyrics. No, no. I had the idea of doing it, <laughs> presenting that it wasn't me a different way. Jane decided it that way. I don't know whether my idea was any better. By the way, we're in it together. We're a team. Yep. And we had a crack. Hey, Hutchie, one thing that has emerged, and, and look, it may have been heading down this path anyway, and it probably was... Um, a problem for many. What? Well, when I say probably, it was a problem for many lesser sports before COVID nineteen. It's hit the AFL world right now when it comes to attention and and attendance in number for clubs that call press conferences. Uh, I know of a couple of instances where no media has turned up outside the the club media or the attached media to yep. club, and it's it's not. I'm not raising this to name names and, and to and to highlight the certain clubs who it has happened to, only to raise it that this is clearly with us right now and it's only going to head down that path. You think the days of the meaningless press conference are over? Just about done. The doorstop. There's been two that I know of where not one single media outlet, and as you know, there's pooling arrangements, yep. there's, there's stringers, there's people who just roll up for the hell of it sometimes. At least two that I know of, and I haven't got, and I haven't gone out of my way to try and find out this stuff. I'm just saying that's two that I know of. There's probably dozens, if not hundreds, over the course of a footy season where the only people who were actually there when the conference was meant to start were the club media connected people. Yep. Well, I'm not surprised because, well, let's let's take a helicopter view of this. The press events during the week have been largely meaningless boring. in the competition. Yep. And boring and irrelevant forever and a day. They're curated and controlled by clubs. If I see one more email for it, we'll make a, a senior player will be available on Sunday. Give me a spell. TBC. Yeah. Yep. What's wrong with letting everyone be available? Yep. You know, if I run an AFL club, you'd make your whole list available on Zoom on a Tuesday afternoon, and you'll let anyone ask a question. And then you do one-on-ones for half an hour afterwards, and mm. then you just live with the consequences. Yeah. Like, make, don't get me started about availability. And so, and then clubs are competing against information. So anything reasonably interesting, they're going to beat you in speed. And I get that. It's a commercial world. Why would you go? Hmm. All you're really looking to do is 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 fill fodder. It's getting to the point, though, even even the Friday night coverage, which is the marquee slot, even those conferences. And again, again this is not a criticism of any of the individuals who go there or choose not to go there. It's, it's, it's just an observation. Yep. 
we're not getting the the number that used to go, and this is still a broadcast live event when it comes to the, yeah, the Channel well, Seven coverage. There's an easy fix on this. Friday night footy is probably the only time you, you really want to watch the press comments because yep. you're relaxing from a long week. You've just watched the game. You've been deprived of the product you need, roaming Brian, and so you're, you're stuck having to watch the press conferences. And you're probably not that ready to go to bed yet. You want to have a glass of wine or whatever. I would make them available to journalists sitting at home. That'd be much more entertaining. Like, let's, okay, it's press conference Friday night footy. Zoom it up. We're going to, we've invited 50 journalists who are sitting home watching the game tonight who can all dial in. And then you have, and if, if, even better if the journalists have, have uh, been out for dinner or something, just got in and asked naive questions no, and no, they can no, laugh at them. No, that, that, this is where you're going to have a problem. If there's been alcohol involved. I was joking, don't I? I know, um, but I can imagine there would be some journalists thinking, hey, no. this is a really good time to make a name for myself. No, I, what, I, what I meant was this. Let it open to people who are at home, who watch it on the telly, and who might have a different perspective. You know, it's um, so-and-so from the Australian here. I was watching the game at home tonight. Uh, I, I noticed on the broadcast, you did this, what do you think, you know, coach? Like, open it up a little bit. It'd be more entertaining. Mm. Why do you, you don't need to see Tom Brown every third question. The so the lesser clubs though, Hutchie, how Michelangelo, they, Ritchie, and Adelaide. Every second question, how are they? Our own Michelangelo. How are the lesser clubs going to get any cut through when it when it's all said and done in, in the relatively near future? Given given they've already struggled in that space, it's the same the rest of the free world does, don't they? They got to market themselves. It's no different to what I do or what you do. Try being a sport that's the seventh ranked sport in the country rather than the first. They've got yeah. such a competitive advantage of being yeah. an AFL team. There is not, and again, maybe I'm going to say this without properly giving it giving it thought. There's not one dynamic thought when it comes to, to that in AFL, is there? And if you if you can think of one, please raise it. Well, they're, they're too conservative, need to be bolder. We see pockets of uh, entrepreneurialism among the clubs, but where? not not where not Which, have, have you like seen one? Occasionally, you see a club will open up their, their um, rooms, or they'll create outcomes that are more generally commercially led for broadcast. But I, just open it up. Yeah. What do we make them? Make everyone available and accessible. I've been saying this for ten years, and people think it's self-interested. It's actually the counter. Jur- journalists would rather l- no access than access, right? Mm. The less access, the greater competitive advantage a good journalist has. Uh, in, that's in my view. But anyway, I'm, I'm a Mohican demo. I'm I'm one of the old people looking back at the at the old days, the war times. Channel Seven. Announced- oh, just on, can I just say, just on AFL before you move off to offer a quick view. I'm reading and seeing the clubs are frustrated at the 75% crowds in Melbourne versus the 100% crowds everywhere else. I must be living in the wrong society. I, I, I can't believe for a minute what I read and hear from the clubs on this. As best I understand it, I'm no expert on COVID. The system that tracks who is in the venue in Victoria is not yet finalised. Now, that's another story for another day. They've got to fix that. But if you take three friends to the footy at the moment, they don't actually know who your three friends are. You can't actually tell you who's in what seat. We've got a problem if there's well, a... That's, co- that's the Victorian government for you, Hutchie. We've got a problem in Victoria right now. They say they're close to fixing it, but right now they haven't fixed it, okay? So you take three people, your name's on the ticket. As best I read it, the other three aren't. And they haven't got the tracing of every single individual seat down. We are living in a world where there's been three million deaths. We're in the middle of the worst pandemic in our lifetimes. We're 100-odd countries are in lockdown, we're getting to go to the game on the weekend and enjoy it, and we're blowing up that we're going to sit five seats from where we normally sit. Oh, where is the perspective in this community, Damo? Do not – if they open up to 100% before they've got the seating plan and there's, an, and there's an incident in Melbourne and they can't contract trace and we're on again, 
you just about you'd move states. I reckon you'd be that annoyed. The oh. government are doing the right thing by holding back until this system gets right, and the crowds aren't that good anyway. Crowds are off everywhere. Television's yeah. a little bit off too, but, by the but way. But part of the reason for the crowds being off is is to the situation to which you refer. The, Mate, the, the hassle well, of actually going. Maybe. It's part of it, Hussey. It's not that big a hassle, though. Well, you, you, you've you, been you, there now? No, I haven't. I haven't. But that, you that's, haven't been to the footy yet? I've been to the footy, but I use my press pass. I, I, yeah. I haven't experienced... And again, and don't tell me, don't dare tell me you've downloaded the apps that you need to download, because I know you wouldn't have either. You would have used your press pass or your corporate no, pass. No, I've used it. I've been in Western Australia, New South Wales, and Victoria already yeah. this season. Well, Can I give you the, a guess at the, the standard? Victoria would come a distant third in those three it, states it, that you have said you've gone to the footy in. Yeah, it, a distant, embarrassing third. But... Like, let's keep the world in perspective. We're so lucky to be able to go to the footy at all. So lucky. Yeah. The 75% thing too, how many games actually get 75,000 well, people? I mean, Do you think there'll be more than seven? I'll, I'll have a polite $10 wager with you or a bottle of wine, call it a $100 bet then, that there won't be 75,000 at Wednesday Sunday, Sunday. Regardless. There might be Saturday night, the Richmond-Melbourne game. Just, that, that might push the 75,000. Like. Everyone just keeps in perspective. Glass half full. We're so lucky to be going to the footy and sport. You sit, I sat in the crowd on uh, Saturday night at the SCG. It was roaring. 33,000 people, buzz atmosphere. You look around, we're the envy of the world. Mm. You know, if your seat's a row away from where it's normally meant to be or you're not as close to your cousin as you should be, well, who cares? They're still playing the NBA, aren't they, to crowdless. Em- Empty stadiums, the stadiums all around the yeah. world right now. It's you still have a, that, that occasional sense of, of feeling awkward about looking at a crowd on the, our TV yep. watching football when when that is going on around the world. Hey, take me through your week. I, I heard you had a busy one. You last time we spoke, I think you were still in Melbourne, but you then went to Sydney or Perth first. No, I'm just this. This, this is your week. So can't remember now. <laughs> so I think you might have been in in Sydney at some stage of last week. Then you flew to Perth for the game. Yep, on was, Friday night? I was there Friday night, had a couple of major client events. And then the red eye back to Sydney yes. for the races. Yes. And then someone told me you were spotted at the basketball yesterday in Melbourne. Yeah, yeah. That's a reasonably busy weekend, aren't you, given it's not a weekend for you? They're the only one, it's the ones you know about. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Where else did you go? <laughs> no, it's, it's, that's the gig, unfortunately, or fortunately, whichever way you look at it. But uh, it's noticeably different. Outside of Victoria, than in still, I would just I would say Victoria though is coming good. Victoria's have been a bit like, you know, a ten o'clock hangover was it three months ago, day after you know behaving like you shouldn't because you should always drink wise. Now to a call it a four o'clock hangover. We're coming out of the night before. <laughs> just we? trying to get my head around what you're saying. So at four o'clock, you're not as bad as you are at ten o'clock. Is that what you're saying? Is that what yeah? I'm not saying. You, a, ne- you should never be hungover because you won't miss a moment if you drink wise. But if you, everyone who ever has the misfortune of having a hangover will know that 10 o'clock this it's worse morning is worse than 4 o'clock in the afternoon. And the best way to do it is not get yourself in that position at all. But And where it, do we need to get to on, on this analogy? The next day. The next day. Okay. Yep. So, what, 6 a.m. the next day? Yeah. Okay. So we're, we're Wake up fresh. 4 p.m. We're not quite there, are we? We're, we're coming for all different reasons. We've been quite scorched in Melbourne. And we're now defensive about how little every other state knows about what we went through. You've seen that? <laughs> yeah, I felt you that. Unless you lived in Melbourne, you wouldn't have an idea. What went That's the common thread everywhere you go in the state. People get like badge of honour. Oh, you reckon you had a bad COVID. And we're right, but it's just become, if you lived in a state, you'd be going to turn it up. All right. Let's move it on to some so, what, serious media. What do you think of the twerking? Yeah, I wanted, I wanted to go there next. We're and recording this before Media Watch tonight. I'm interested to see 
in media watch how they handle this because well you you set this one up well there was a squadron dance group that uh, performed on the HMAS launch yep right one hundred one doll squadron now to be clear the the girls in question did absolutely nothing wrong. They did a magnificent job at whatever what, at their craft. They were paid to perform their craft. Paid to perform. And, and by the looks of the footage that we all saw, nailed it. They were, however, the subject of a widespread condemnation from sections of the media that, at why the Australian Navy would have had them there in the first place. Yep. In, in this environment, uh, this exploitation-sensitive time, as it should be, uh, it was deemed inappropriate and, in fairness, uh, social media led by Twitter were very vocal on this. There's two aspects of this story that I want to attack. I want to see what you want to do with it. Um, so the first thing is it happening in the first place. The second thing is the way it was portrayed on the ABC News showed cutaways. And we'll come back to cutaways in a moment. Cutaways of ministers, including the Governor-General from memory, looking like they were watching on at the dance group. Uh among those to share the story was ABC's Media Watch itself from its Twitter feed, by the way. Didn't offer any commentary, but I reckon that's how I first consumed okay, it through okay. the media. I wasn't aware of the its involvement, yes. So they, they were they fell for it too. Well, I'm not sure they'll, they'll admit that tonight, but I reckon they might have fallen for it. And then it, it emerged that the ABC footage was shot some 20 or 30 minutes afterwards and the vision was used as overlay. Right. Back into it. Giving so. the impression that the, the people in question were, were there watching the performance yep. is what you're saying. So is it, is it, it's not too much of a stretch for us to say that the accusation, Hutchie, is that the ABC deliberately and falsely edited the presentation they put to the, the general well, public accused, on their media outlets. They were accused of deceptive editing. The girls themselves said, we are disappointed the ABC's deceptive editing their video piece, which cut to guests in the entries who were not in attendance and shot from angles which could not be seen by the audience. Um, embarrassing one for the ABC. Amazing it doesn't happen more often in newsrooms. Can I say that? Your thoughts on this demo? Well, there's that aspect of it. And then there's the other aspect of other media outlets basically cutting and pasting the entirety of the initial ABC reports. Yep. So, so so, let's deal with your, your initial point. Um, I agree. And th- that quote from the, the troop in question, 101 Doll Squadron, it went on. It was damning. Um, the media, this is a quote, the media which purports to support women have been the most virulent. We are very disappointed that the, at the ABC's deceptive editing of their video piece, which cut to guests and dignitaries. We found this very creepy and reflects more on the ABC's camera operator and their need to sexualise these women and their dance piece for their own gratification. This is all a quote. It goes on. Who so said that? That's all part of the quote attributed to the uh, the 101 Doll Squadron. Yeah, uh, and that statement was to news.com.au on a subsequent story to it, which which lifted this story to the next level when it came to, to the reporting on it. So you have that. The ABC apologised for that too, didn't they? Am I right in the timeline of events now? The ABC apologised. They'll quickly apologise. Yeah, yep. so, okay, you, you do something... You called out on it, you apologise. I don't think they could do much more than that other than reflect upon their initial editing. Is that fair to say? Yep. And my next point, though, and this this to me is part of this story and where the media goes in 2021, I don't know how many media outlets copied and cut and pasted the ABC presentation of the twerking dance video, Hutchie, but I would be staggered if it wasn't more than a dozen. I, I, and I saw it on several platforms. So they all, they all 
pile on, don't they? They all pile on. This is a disgrace. How disrespectful can it be, et cetera, et cetera. Then it's called out that the ABC has done its problem. It apologises. And then there's a pylon from those other media outlets onto the ABC for the product that they themselves chose to steal. This is a very common thing in media. It's it's when the redistribution of the content is far worse than the original content. That's that's the point I think is actually, strangely enough, the biggest story out of this this week. Now, the redistribution of the content, by the way, would have driven clickbait because, A, it's a salacious type story. Uh, and B, the ABC making a gaffe like this, someone as conservative the ABC making a hmm. inappropriate gaffe like this yep. is clearly a, a good yarn and drives uh, content interest. So, But media outlets were prepared to call out the ethics of the ABC, ha- having having stolen word for word effectively, picture for picture effectively, the ABC's work in question themselves. Yeah, but it ticked every box in the newsroom, right? It drives It drives consumption. But they just wash their hands of it, of their own errors, then it's in got, not checking then themselves. It's got a, a gaff or footy mouth, which is always a great news story. Yeah. And then, then it's it's got the blow up from the group in question. And you're but, la- and you're laughing at your at a perceived competitor who's conservative, who's government funded. It ticked every box on redistribution. No wonder people ran it for three days. But um, what I'd say about having worked in newsrooms a lot, I'm surprised it doesn't happen more often because yeah. cutaways. So a cutaway is the footage that you know, isn't needed in every story away from the central act of the story. So in this case, the central act's on the, the ship, and then you need to be able to, to, to accommodate your edits. You need to be able to have some other vision somewhere the, audi- the audience in question on this particular story. There's a natural cutaway. Now, often you're left with file footage for your cutaways as a news reporter, and it always looks like that's fresh vision when it's not, so you're always kind of a little bit, have to be a bit careful about that. And it doesn't go through any real um, structure in the newsroom. So generally speaking... Only the actual editor in the room or the busy journalist will actually see that before it goes to air. So the ABC, it's not like it went through, not like five people got around in the edit booth at four o'clock and reviewed the story and time-coded where Yeah, and they said, okay, is this reaction here we're showing, is that is that at the this precise point yeah. in time where these these dancers are twerking? A good, a good sub-editor would ask that. A good sub-editor would have said, or a good new, you know, news desk would have come over and said. No one's got the luxury of time these days to ask that question. No one's got the luxury of time or resources. So these things are going to unfortunately happen. What I would say is I'll guarantee it wasn't deliberate. It would have been just a speed and movement thing. It would have been someone cutting the story in, in time to get it to the news with a little a less resourced newsroom. It would be less resourced than it's probably ever been before, and it wouldn't have been a deliberate misconstruction. The editor would have gone, I need some footage of people looking on to get from a transition of one end to the other. Here's 10 seconds of people in the room, and yep. no one's gone back and checked the time. So innocent mistake, I would think, is what yeah, happened. Yeah, I'd, I'd think that's probably a fair comment on, on that aspect of it. But you do, I remember lots in newsrooms. What did you do? Because you, when I, I'm not, I'm still not that, that au fait with this overlay stuff with TV, even though I've been doing it for a while. It's not something I've had to do. So, so take me through some of your overlay yeah, moments. Most editors I ever worked with, well, for starters these days, people edit their own stories, journalists, Yep. by the way. That would have made me unemployable. But I, I couldn't do it. I would have. I would not have. If I was coming to a newsroom now, I wouldn't have. Wouldn't have lasted. Um, simple as that. Um, second thing. So, it might, the chance are this might have been a one-person mistake, not a two, by the way. But let's assume it was two. In my, in my day, back in my day, <laughs> the editors I worked with would have said I was the single worst journalist I've ever worked with. Because I was late all the time. I, I wanted to work you just on. went and got the story and left everyone else to mop up around it, which, which is the old school way of doing it. Yeah, I did. I, I wanted to work through till five o'clock and not waste a minute of finding news because if you're cutting it three, generally you're not much. 
I don't reckon you're much choppy if you're cutting at 3 o'clock as a television news journalist because there's still two more hours in the day to explore what's going on. But the, the system's not really built for renegades like me trying to cut at five on a six o'clock news. Or <laughs> no, five, it's not. Yeah. And it wasn't then, and it's less now. And it was generally the guy that left the voice with the editor and wished them well. <laughs> Picked out my two grabs. Generally speaking, I only had a rough idea of the time code. And I came this out. And came back in and criticised the outcome about 5.30 and changed three things. So I was as bad as it gets. Sort this out I, I hear that some of my modern-day colleagues... <laughs> In newsrooms, who are particularly in the footy departments of, let's call them the commercial networks, are not much better than me. And I know that. Name them, Hutchie. Oh, no. I think the better you are at it, the worse you are at the process. And I'd, I'd put Tom Brown in that category there. I've called it out. But I say it as a compliment to his news-breaking skills. You've got to be organised. Anyway, so it happens. It shouldn't happen, but it happens. Did you ever deliberately and falsely mislead through use of overlay, or at least having your fingerprints on use of overlay? Uh, no, I, I don't believe I did, but you've got to train yourself on the job to get enough overlay. overlay. Yeah. Is, that, is the old-fashioned noddy, is that part of overlay? Yep. Yeah. Yeah, there's a few. But that is the most single most awkward thing to do on TV when you've got a one-camera shoot, the camera goes onto the subject of the interview, yep. then the, sometimes the interview subject stays in the room, the camera then goes back on the journalist, yep. and you're not as though you're interested in the answer when there's no audio at all. And the piece to camera was something happening in the background. Oh, the piece to camera. Is the one to look for. Has anyone ever been comfortable doing a piece to camera? Uh, uh, let me tell you, I worked with people who spent their entire lives Focusing on their piece to cameras. As, as opposed to the contents of it. As opposed to the content, yeah. Okay. No names, no petrol. Uh, okay, let's jump around. Seven announced its broadcast team for the, as it's now called, the 2021 yes. Olympics. Um, I want to ask you, Hutchie, given that the- The we, warming of Brian division a, of our business yeah. was onto this very quickly. Brian's not into it. Brian's not part of it, a part of this announcement anyway. But there are two other prominent callers when it comes to AFL in uh, the Channel 7 network being Luke Darcy and Hamish McLaughlin, who are part of it. Are we to read anything into the fact that those two gentlemen are part of it and other big names in the Channel 7 football commentary team aren't? It was interesting, wasn't it? It was interesting. I think clearly James is being earmarked for a big final series, so you wouldn't... But I liked his rowing work at the <laughs> Nine Olympics. Was it, was it rowing that he did, I reckon? Yeah, and it was in... Uh, I think it was London, wasn't it? Very good. Missed a trick there, I think, with James. The Aussies were bringing it home every race, yep. even even the record charges. Even though they were even the record charges. It's not easy to call a you know fifteen kilometre race down the River Thames from Coventry Street, South Melbourne. But he did a fantastic. No, he, job. he was over there. He was actually over there. Was he? Yeah, yeah. There's only yeah. a few that were there. Yeah. Oh, no, London was a bit. London more, was London was there. London, yeah. London was a nine event, so I was a bit more pleased. Um, the so I, I think James, they missed a trick with James. Uh, Luke would have been positioning for a long time. So that, that's paid, tech, paid dividends. And Hamish is one of their best hosts, obviously. That's a natural. Yep. Who else missed the boat? Well, BT, obviously. Yeah, but they're too valuable, aren't they, in the footy? That's what I'm asking. What, what, what yeah. do we? I, I, I'm actually don't know how to read this. What, what are you reading into it? I think Luke and Hamish were good choices. I think J- James is a lost opportunity. It's going to be different, though, isn't it? I know that this is far from the first Olympic Games, which is going to, going to be predominantly covered from Australia yep. when it's overseas. But it's still, as a viewer, nice. I find nice to know that the commentators are on the ground. But would you have known any different? Why don't they just say we're flying them all over in covert secrecy? Well, then it becomes we're getting a them in story when you've exposed them for not being there. Like, people don't, wouldn't know the difference. 
You do know the difference. I've, I've discussed this with you over summer with the cricket coverage and you know, yes. Isagua's problems with not knowing, and it wasn't just her, there was other commentators too, but not knowing when the ball was going for six or being caught at deep, you know, m- mid-on. Or- Most of the public would agree with you because last time we had this conversation, my Twitter feed let up, yeah. up with people supporting you. I didn't even know that, but no, but I, I, no, but what I'm saying is actually maybe I'm a, maybe I am in a minority, but I, I do have a problem when I know the commentator's not there. And I've been part of broadcasts that, that aren't at the ground, so I'm not washing my hands of the situation. But I just don't, as a viewer, as a consumer, I don't like it. Christine Holgate, yep. What did you take of her performance? In it was very strong. It was very strong. I watched. Uh, it would have been. Would it have been? Did, did the rounds too? Was it Lee Sales, Jane? Well, the one I saw. I, look, I saw one very, very strong and impressive performance. Yes, spoke wonderfully well in, yep. in highly orchestrated media campaign that set off the back of the evidence. Yeah. So evidence that day, and then into the TV news that night, the breakfast the next morning, uh, got the prime minister at a time when he's certainly under pressure in this space, and was an interesting reaction. Like it, in the first day, it didn't really get covered by news, and then they probably had no choice but to cover it. And then there was mixed views, right? There was some... So some, it wasn't picked up by the Herald Sun? Oh, it didn't strike me like it was on the okay. day. At least it wasn't given the real estate if it was. And, and for those who, who don't or aren't familiar with the name, Christine Holgate being that the former head of Australia Post, forced to resign via what Scott Morrison said uh, in Parliament in relation to the, the gifting of Cartier watches to senior staff, which was all approved under the operations of Australia Post, all ticked off by audit committees yep. and departments. And you obviously got, um, you know, various other sports uh, rorting you, going on when it comes to government grants that um, Scott Morrison's party to. But he, can we go back to the, the original source? Why, why would anyone have taken such offence to the CEO? Like if the CEO you trusted and they thought it was the right thing to do to reward the staff, why would you care? Because it was a political... She became political fodder for, for the Morrison government. Australia Post is clearly one of the more politically charged bodies. And I don't know the origins of, of the dislike, but I'd, clearly, I've never seen anything like it. I mean, yeah. again, we don't normally get into the nitty gritty of these stories, Hachi, because we leave that for others who know the space. But I still vividly recall the, the, the in-parliament performance of Scott Morrison saying that if she hasn't resigned, she will be. I will be, insu- I'm, I'm paraphrasing, I'm, yep. I will ensure she does. I mean, who's he to be telling the parliament that that's what's going to happen now, on, on something that was actually ticked off on? I didn't get in the first place why it was an issue. Like, I would just say, we we... Back the judgment of our CEO at Australia Post. We, if they feel it was in the interest of staff retention to reward the staff, we accept that view. There was an issue with that given COVID changing perception and I, it being a government body, the well, use of the word Cartier immediately, or who, well, who can afford Cartier? And well, it was because of the, the um, it was a Labor Party attack on, the Labor Party were getting political wins over it. You mentioned if you're elbow, all of a sudden you've got Christine on your side and you go, oh, I kind of... I threw the first grenade here, and now I have to kind of walk away from my original view. Like, it's a, it's a bizarre one that swung back that way. That way, isn't it? Is that where it started? Was it the opposition starting? They, they were putting You go back to the original source of this. Yeah. The opposition were outraged at Christine Holgate's demanding answers from the Prime Minister and putting him under pressure and question time for two days until he cracked. Right. Then he cracked and said, yeah, you're right. No, okay. And then all of a sudden... Now they've got to find their new position in the yeah. They've got to spin their way out of it. The, 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 gul- the culture, culture came back to, to actually get them. I know Elbow's trying to do the Stephen Bradbury and not say anything and let uh, let water get on the boat yep. in his absence. 
But he, he was having to hot step last week and saying, well, while we disagreed in the original place, we still don't think the way that Prime Minister handled it was the right way. So he's... Yep. Very funny. You imagine that you were trying to spin that for the Labor Party. You can. Uh, we've talked often, Hutchie, about when you, when you break a story, if you've got the luxury of having a couple of other significant follow-up angles in your back pocket before you publish the first story, that is the, the greatest way to cover any form of issue. Oh, uh, you're going to talk and about Winks here? I'm going to talk about Winks. You reckon he, he withheld a couple? Oh, if he didn't, he's even better than we know him to be. But I, I think he's that good. He, he could break the, the latest angle on the on the story in question, that being the Ben Roberts-Smith issue. And as we've said a few times in this podcast, we'll let the court sort out the issue between Ben Roberts-Smith and Nick McKenzie and, and other organisation work, Nick works for. But the layers of, of storytelling that go down from the initial story itself that Nick McKenzie, since the 60 Minutes report of two weeks ago. Well, he had, the next day he doubled down on the funding. So the next day he doubled down on the funding and he said that uh, seven shareholders are funding the legal action. Yep. And they hadn't been fully told. He did. Now, he was either sitting on that angle was the follow-up or that was flushed out by the story. It was a great follow-up, wasn't it? And then, but it was a timely follow-up. And then when he was questioned legally, he doubled down on Twitter and Point blank called him a liar, which so he's now he's chips in on this now. Mm. Like if you, there's not he couldn't be that any Twitter response was extraordinary to, to a defamation case. Yeah, that, I, I don't remember ever seeing it before by any journalist. So in, incredible uh, response from from your man Winks, and it's gonna it, he's now he now has to live and die by the sword. Pardon the part on that part of it. Yeah, yeah. Hachi, question of the week time now. On the sounding board, it's our question of the week for Drinkwise. If you're choosing to drink, choose to Drinkwise. Chris Diastoli on email is the person who's issued the question of the week. Mental health is an issue which impacts many in our community. There appears to be a trend of late that public figures will use this as cover for poor behaviour or when they are caught out. There's a specific reference here to something I won't want to go down to. As soon as mental health issues are claimed, any questioning immediately stops. Do you see a point in time where individuals simply claim mental health and avoid any culpability for their actions? Interested to hear your thoughts. That's Chris Diastoli on email. There's an element to what Chris refers to there, Hutchie, that, that is at play, but the seriousness around mental health, I, I'm, I'm prepared, even now, having seen a few instances that I, I have you know, felt the need to question, prepared to take people at face value when they say they've got mental health. Now, okay, if it is an incident or a wrongdoing that triggers the public um, proclamation of that, I think to Chris's point, People ask questions, but when it comes to mental health, Hachi, I, I do, I, and we've discussed this many times, I, I do back off the moment you know mental health is part of a person's situation. Yeah, I think you just have to be face value all the time, every time. Yep. And we've talked about it a lot. It is, It does put the onus on the journalists to – we're not trained in understanding it, but we're asked to make an assessment on the person's validity or otherwise Yep. in the instance of it. Yep. And, and I'm sure the cynics would say it's an easy – it's an easier thing to use as part of your defence. Yep. But in reality, everyone deserves the right to be taken on face value. That they're suffering it. Yep. Regardless of their of their reasons yeah. to go public with it. Yeah. And then that's ultimately where it ends. Yep. It's not for us to question it. Yep. It's it's a deeper topic, Chris, than us being able to properly tough, answer it. It is tough for journalists, though, who Absolutely. may have been writing a negative story about someone's behaviour or actions and then they're forced yep. to confront. Yep. You know, an understanding of that. And the only way really to deal with that is to make as many calls as you can and 
but you got to you have to take it on face value at the same time. You do. It's a good question, Chris, and, and one one that comes up very regularly through any given I think, sports what I would, season. What I would say is, this, we journalists only really get the, the the knock for all the times that they don't show compassion or empathy or do a difficult story, but the the times that they do go largely unnoticed, totally unnoticed. unrecognized or unknown. Yeah, and so for those out there who are a little cynical about journalism should be aware that there are hundreds and thousands of times where journalists make judgment calls out of empathy or compassion. To, 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 to not go with the story at all or, or, or to tone it yeah, down significantly? it happens yeah. every day. Yep. And understandably, no one would know that and journalists aren't looking for any kudos for it. Yep. But it does, to defend the industry, it does happen a lot more than people realise. I can vouch for what you just said there. And Hunchy, that brings us to a close on this particular episode of The Sounding Board for Drinkwise. And if you're choosing to attend a press conference that no other media are at. Choose to drink wise. Thanks for listening to the Sounding Board podcast with Hutchie and Damo. Tune in for questions tomorrow and to send a question to the boys, email thesoundingboard at sen.com.au, follow the show on Twitter at Sounding Board EP and like the Facebook page. It's all thanks to Drinkwise. If you're choosing to have a drink, choose to Drinkwise. Drinkwise.